Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Village Global's Venture Stories. I'm here today joined by my co-host, Lucas Fania, and very special guest, co-founder and CEO, Mike Shabbat of Chaba, our very own portfolio CEO. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So Mike, by, by way of background, why don't you describe what is Chaba and what is the mission that you're, you set out to do? Yeah, so Chaba is a labor marketplace that connects workers with open shifts at distribution centers and event venues. And our mission is to increase the potential and productivity of both workers and businesses. So we've got some really ambitious long-term plans we're excited about. Before we get into the long-term plan, why don't we talk about some of the background? How did you set out to start this originally? You were at Uber before. Why don't you give a little bit of story of, of how Chaba came together? Yeah, so surprisingly enough, I, I started my career working in finance, but then I switched over to warehousing. I got this management rotation program opportunity at a company called McMaster Car, which sells engineering products to companies like SpaceX. And my biggest problem as a manager on the supply chain floor was to match the demand of our customers with the workforce and how many people we actually had in the warehouse in order to meet that demand. So I leveraged the staffing industry back when I was in warehousing and it was just a broken, very terrible experience. And I didn't think of it at the time, but then when I switched uh, over to Uber, I got an awesome opportunity to join Uber right when they were just starting the Uber Eats product. I got to see what technology and operational excellence could do to add a lot of value to something like the staffing industry. So I uh, started pulling some ideas together, uh, meeting with customers, and it really started to come together uh, just before I started the, uh, doing the on-deck program. That's amazing. And can you share a little bit more? How did you navigate this idea maze? And what do you think that other founders can learn about the way that you, know, you navigated the ideas and, and iterated in the process? To start, I wanted to be really reflective on where my unique experiences and talents could really differentiate our company from what others were already doing. So I'd recommend that other founders figure out where they have a unique founder market fit. And then I wanted to make sure that I was working on something that was really important to me. And I really believe that Trava's mission can create a lot of positive change in the world, really diving in to increase the productivity and potential of workers and businesses. And finally, my co-founder and I let our customers guide us on what kind of problems they were experiencing. So we were just coming out of COVID at the time, and we discovered that there was a massive fundamental shift in not only worker behavior and priorities, but how the whole distribution landscape was functioning. And it opened up a massive opportunity for us. Totally. And, and any, you know, when people start, start a company, they have to both think about what is the big vision? And then, of course, what is the first product and, and how, how they you know, get a wedge to get to that big vision? So why don't you talk about how you navigated that? Why don't you talk about the, the long-term plan to, or more about the big vision and then how you, how you ladder up to that? So our wedge is disrupting the light industrial staffing industry, which is $40 billion in the U.S. alone. And even though it's a business critical need, it's completely broken. So the industry only fills 46% of shifts and takes over a week to get the workforce you, meet, you need. And Traba fills 100% of requested shifts and does it same day. So we're already providing a 10x experience. 
And long term, we will become the Amazon Web Services of labor. So we'll be helping businesses with automating and revamping their entire warehouse tech stack from communication tools like walkie talkies to scanning to loading. And on the worker side, we'll continue to offer an experience that sets them up to reach their full potential. So this opens up all sorts of opportunities for upscaling, transparency for what kind of working conditions are like at different jobs and generating a meritocracy that hasn't existed before. And also the payments flow through our app so we can get into all sorts of banking and financial tools as well. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're definitely inspired by, by, by that vision. One of the things I'm interested in, in learnings or from, from the Chaba journey is how you found Akshay. Uh, talk about the co-founder dating process because one trope you know, people often have in the industry is, hey, you have to have you know, gone to college with this person or you have to have you know, worked with them for a, a very long time. And we, we feel that just kind of shortens the pool of, of who people can access. Um, so one of it is the finding the, the co-founder, but then also it's the it's the how do you date the the, the co-founder? So so and then find out if it if it's the the right one for you. So why don't you talk about what, what you learned and any lessons other founders can learn from that journey? Yeah. So uh, for context for the audience, I met my co-founder Akshay Bodega, who's the CTO uh, through ODF Eight, and actually during orientation through the first couple of meetings we had, uh, I met him through. I think it was just kind of one of these like brainstorm sessions where people get to break out and meet meet other people. And he just was by far one of the smartest people I'd ever met. Really awesome person. So it started talking to him about, hey, like this is something that, that I'm passionate about. This is the way that we're thinking about the problem. Uh, what do you think? Uh, started to getting to get to know him online through the on deck program. And then he decided to book a flight, come to Miami. We met some customers together. We actually did it the way that on deck proposes finding a co-founder. We filled out our like this really long questionnaire about values, what's the exit strategy for the company. Some some entrepreneurs want to do MA, some entrepreneurs want, want to go all the way to IPO. We want to go all the way to IPO. We're really thinking big on this one. And then we wanted to solve problems together. So it kind of like what what you mentioned, Eric, with people. Why, why, why are co-founders good in college? Because you're actually working on projects together. You're understanding how you work together. So we actually started to do some customer interviews and built a prototype product together, um, which really helped us understand that we work very well together. And then he moved out to Miami and yeah, uh, the rest is history. He's the best co-founder I could have ever asked for. He's one of my best friends. So it's been great. That's amazing. And Mike, before we get into Miami and how did you approach building an in-person team during COVID, et cetera, et cetera, something that we want to touch on is, you know, how you came up with your team values, because you've been very explicit about that from the beginning. So what was your process about, you know, coming up with that idea for the culture, the values of the company? And what do you think that other founders could learn from, from that process and from the way you've been so explicit about it? So when Akshay and I were first figuring out how we were going to operate the company, we were very intentional about what values were authentic and important to us. So at Traba, we have four values that we've been operating by for the past 11 months since we started the company. The first is dream big. We're on a path to create a once in a generation company that really unlocks a lot of economic opportunity for hundreds of millions of people. And we don't shy away from setting ambitious goals for ourselves, both short-term and long-term. So our second value is Olympian's work ethic and changing the world never comes easy. So we lean into being upfront about working hard together and 
really giving everything it takes to increase the probability that we will actually win and create a lot of disruption. And then the third value is growth mindset. So when startups are going through hyper growth, there's tons of opportunities to take on new challenges that uh, people haven't necessarily solved before. So us as a company run towards these challenges and allow them to grow us professionally and personally through the process. And then our fourth value is customer obsession. We're servicing a critical part of our economy that is massive, but hasn't been disrupted by technology before. So we obsess over listening to our customers and figuring out how we can best create value to them. And being intentional about these values has really generated a lot of velocity for us as a company because everyone that we're hiring is aligned with these values and really ready to give it their all. So I would definitely recommend it to other founders to figure out early how they're going to be running the company through their values. Mike. Can you just share a little bit more? Uh, because something that I think is very interesting about the way that you approach this is you've been very explicit about the values even before you raised the seed round. And I think I'm maybe getting the time timing a little bit wrong, but it was very clear from the beginning that you had this idea for the values, you had this idea for the culture before uh, I think you had a team of less than five people. What, what do you think that other founders can learn from just you know how early you, you, t- you took on this approach? So a lot of different companies operate differently depending on what kind of customers they service, what stage that they're at, um, where they are geographically, what kind of company they are. So I think it's really important that the founders align on what type of culture is authentic to them and what is going to set their company up for success and being okay with if there are applicants that aren't necessarily aligned with the culture, that there are other opportunities for them, but it really helps narrow the funnel and ensure that your early team is 100% committed and aligned so you can go solve a lot of problems. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I want to come, come back to this, but first I want to zoom out and, and you know, say one of the reasons why we're here is where we're celebrating your, your, your fundraise. Uh, your, your your Series A, which we're stoked for you, for you to announce. I mean, one of the obviously, you know, one of the challenges is that we're we're in a down market right now, and it's, and it's much harder to to fundraise. Talk about what your experience uh, has been like, and any lessons that uh, other founders can take about what it's like to, to fundraise during this time. Obviously, you guys are, are doing tremendously well, which which made it much easier for for, for you. But any 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 words of wisdom? Yeah, so I would say that from fundraise to fundraise, you want to bring your investors along for the journey. So we've brought Village Global, Founders Fund, General Catalyst, the rest of our investors, we were very, sending out investor updates was very important to us, but we also got to know everybody because we're all working in person in Miami. So get to know each other personally, people had met the team. They had so many data points for when we set an ambitious target, we actually achieve it. We built trust by being upfront about different challenges we were experiencing and how we were going to solve it and then going out and solving it. So what I would say is you never really know what's going to happen by the next fundraise, whether it's 12 months from now, 18 months from now, maybe this economy will rebound, maybe it won't. But by us bringing our seed investors along for the journey, it made it a lot easier when we were going to Series A because we were actually preemptive. We had preemptive interest already so built up from our seed investors When it came to filling out the rest of the round, they not only wanted to double down, but they also connected us to other notable investors in their network to get them involved as well. So what I would say is I wouldn't wait to the last minute. Certainly don't waste your time taking investor conversations that aren't on your cap table. 
uh, because I do believe that that distracts from the business. But if you close a great round with awesome investors uh, at one stage, really bring them along for the ride. And then when it comes to a fundraise cycle, where even if it's if the broader economic climate has changed, you've built so much trust in the potential of your business that your investors are going to want to double down anyway. No, that's uh, that, that, that's really well put. And yeah, it, it is fascinating. There, there is a strong correlation between the companies that send out the most frequent investor updates and the companies that are doing the best um, and, and, and the companies that set up themselves up for great fundraisers. And of course, it's easier to send updates when, when, you know, when they're going so well, um, but it also is just a great accountability forcing function. So Mike, t- talk about uh, for, you know, there's a lot of people on, on the market right now. You guys are growing significantly. Talk about what differentiates Traba in terms of the employee experience and in terms of uh, you know how Traba sets people up for for long term career success uh, and why Traba is a you know going to be a career changing path for uh, for someone who joins. So my goal with Traba is to create a Traba mafia. A, a lot of people have heard about the PayPal mafia, in which a lot of those members actually invested in Traba. So Keith Raboy, Peter Thiel, and Max Levskin are all very active investors. They'll stop by the office, tell us about what it was like at early Airbnb, early DoorDash, PayPal, Facebook, a lot of these companies that they were either part of or they invested very early on. So my goal is to have everyone that joins Traba now go on to become extremely successful with us. And then in their lifetime, either start more world changing companies or invest in other companies. So what you're getting when you're working at Traba is You're working alongside very motivated, determined people to make a positive impact on the world. Everyone's extremely smart. You'll have investors stop by the office. You're not siloed into your specific vertical. So if you're an engineer, you're getting insights to seeing what you're working on and how that impacts sales, marketing, operations. I'm very transparent about investor relations. I'll come back to the office and share with everyone what happened in the last board meeting or what our investors are saying about how we're doing. So just like how when someone goes to law school, if it's remote, it's not the same experience as the fully in-person experience. Our goal is to have a lifelong friendships where we've all been in the trenches together solving hard problems and that will serve you well for the long run in your career. That's fantastic. And Mike, not only you chose to build a team in person, you've also chosen to do it in Miami. Uh, I I think we're all on this call a little bit biased, but um, why Miami for you and and for the team? Yeah, so I was actually brought to Miami several years ago when I was at Uber. So I, I was in the Amsterdam office. And when I was returning back to the United States, Uber had a team here in Miami that was working on different innovations and incubations for what they wanted to try next. And that's when I realized, wow, this city is completely different from what I thought it would be. It's It feels more like a mix between Singapore and New York in Latin America. Like it's a true international city that's clean. The water is absolutely beautiful. People are here from all around the world with this optimistic attitude towards business and technology. So it, I had been here, but then I was thinking, oh, wow, like if I want to move up within my career and work in tech, maybe I'll have to move to the Bay Area and move to New York. So when I switched to the product team at Uber, I actually did technically move to San Francisco, but we were all remote at that point because COVID was was happening. But then with Founders Fund and Catherine Boyle, who is now at Andreessen, but was a general catalyst and 
you guys and most of the tech community was spending a lot of time in Miami, we decided to start building here. And then the second, uh, the second point about Miami that's special to Traba is it's truly the right place for us to build our business. We are going to be a global company. We're going to be expanding across Latin America, just like how I brought Uber Eats to Latin America. And a couple of members of the team at Traba were also launchers at Uber, which is when you go into a new market, you build the operations from scratch, you hire the team, you talk to customers, you acquire the customers, and you kind of get the marketplace spinning up in a given region. That is going to be a really exciting role that Traba is going to be building out. Uh, we already are building this out nationally, but we will be going international. Um, but then also our customers, Miami's demographic profile is representative of our customer base. So workers who work in light industrial staffing are primarily Latino and Spanish speaking, and that is represented represented here in Miami. It's also across most of the light industrial stronghold states. So Florida, Georgia, Texas, Michigan, Ohio, a lot of these states that are outside of the Bay Area, actually their regulatory profile, the way that they think about uh, the marketplace, our certain marketplace dynamics are more similar here and representative there than they are in the Bay Area anyway. So uh, it all just came together as the perfect place to start the company. I love it. And so Mike, we, we talked about hiring and in person, and now we talked about Miami. Um, and, and I want to ask a specific question because we sometimes hear that Miami is great for VCs and for founders, but it's hard to find top engineering ta talent and or to get them to move here. Do you agree? And what has your experience been? Because from my understanding, you're one of the founders that have done has done the best job at this. And I remember you hosting, uh, you know, events and, and parties in San Francisco, the founders fund office there, and actually getting a bunch of, uh, of engineers to, you know, want to move to Miami and, and you recruited them. So share a little bit more uh, about that. Yeah, great question. So it is not a surprise that since Miami hasn't historically had a lot of tech companies, when you're looking for senior engineers with lots of experience in the tech field, most of them, unless they've moved here recently to work remotely for other companies, it's just a fact that they're most likely not going to be here. So in that category of engineer, we are, we do actually recruit from New York and San Francisco. We do think that the landscape is changing though. And the tech community here is an awesome community to be a part of. There are several technology companies, maybe not at the scale of San Francisco and New York yet, but when you are in tech, you can definitely find your community. And since it is so tight knit, it is it gives you a lot more of an opportunity to meet the best investors. It's just a smaller community, so you just get a lot more access. So that's what I say about Miami. Um, but in, in order to bring people to Miami and really get people from other, other places to move here, We've just had them experience it. We tell them about what we've got going on. We have really optimized for an absolutely incredible in-person experience that feels like an entrepreneurship MBA. Um, and once they come out, we fly them out, we have them interview, we have them just spend a little bit of time in the city. And then they say, wow, like, actually, I can definitely give that a shot. Another thing that helps with recruiting is we are going to be continuing to grow and almost any tech company has multiple offices. So eventually we will have a presence in some of these other markets. Uh, so if somebody wants to just come and look like for the first 12 months, just get a lease, move to Miami, spend time with the team. 
eventually we're going to have other offices in other markets anyway. So it's not like you're signing up for a full lifestyle change for the next decade of your life only in Miami. But most people, like I'm pretty sure we can convince them that once they experience it, they want to stay. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome that we get to stay here. Yeah, totally. That's uh, that's how we got hooked as well. When you're doing early hiring, you know one of the things you're often hiring for is is slope and and potential, uh, right? That they can grow and scale as fast as the as the company is growing and scaling. You know you're very rigorous about you know only hiring the top you know 0.01% of of talent. How are you evaluating slope and potential and and, and anything else other people can learn about your uh, evaluation criteria for for recruiting? Yeah, for sure. So that comes into growth mindset, which and the growth mindset value of Traba is is actually very important because just like how I've experienced, like I've never been the CEO of a 22 person company that's going to be doubling over the next year. So by the nature of that, I have to have a growth mindset. I have to understand that I need to be reflective and look at how can I improve at any given moment so that I can best set my company up for success when we hit that next milestone and that next milestone. But it's not only for me, every single member of the team, when a startup is growing so fast and there's so much success and so many projects to work on, you inevitably get just get pulled a lot faster than any other any other professional experience into roles that you may feel like you're underqualified for and you really need to step up to the plate. So for example, you're, let's just say that you're working on data analytics. We have somebody on our team that is an absolute genius at, at anything data. Uh, as a, when you first start out and there's only a few customers, like it's kind of silly to be like, okay, we definitely don't need a ton of data people that we can kind of see it with our own eyes. But then when you start scaling, the problems just get more and more interesting and complicated. So then we need to hire more and more people into that role. And also that person now has so many more projects that they didn't necessarily know how to think through before. So the way that we vet for this when we're recruiting is we really want to see the slope is like what you've talked about. So you kind of look at what their slope was historically. You you ask, what was something that your, like your manager gave you feedback on in your performance review a couple of years ago? Can you remember that? And most people that have a growth mindset, or maybe they don't know that, but they want to say like, this is what something that I was not good at. And I really put in the hard work to get better at it. And now it's actually something that's not, uh, not a problem anymore. I'm actually really good at this thing. So we do we do vet for that and uh we we want our candidates to be self-reflective is to say like this is like what i'm imperfect at but i'm working on getting it better or this is something that i'm leaning into that's a great example do you have any other favorite interview questions or or techniques as it as it relates to hey you only have you know just a couple a few hours with this person how do you really get a sense for are they going to be amazing at travel yeah so i do ask them what is something that was a very hard challenge and how did you specifically hustle to get it done? So was it like, whether it's a school project or something with a very tight turnaround time, I want to know that you, I want to see an answer or hear an answer that the candidate really put in the work because startups and especially marketplace companies are very, very hard. And if you look at any marketplace company that has actually succeeded People remember working very, very late into the night with their colleagues, uh, picking up the phone for a customer that needs you at the last minute uh, when it's outside of business hours. So it, 
we do want to vet for somebody's ability and willingness to really put in the sweat equity, uh, because especially at the early days when the growth is outpacing the, the ability to hire talent fast enough, it's just going to be a lot of work. So we want candidates to really be aligned with that. And the cool thing is since we're all in person, we're not at home on our computers and we have no idea what anyone else is doing. And some companies or some people at some companies that have experienced this may feel like, wow, I feel like I'm doing all the work here. Like there's so many slackers because you're just not seeing them at Traba because we're all in person. We're actually more intentional and honest with each other and say, look, we're going to work 12 hour days in the office. And, and of course, it's up to the individual, their team, and what's really happening with their project work to make that decision on what the 12-hour day is. But we actually were intentional about, let's align, let's do 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., uh, and we're all there together. So when we're all working on hard problems and solving things late into the night, our colleagues are there. So it really feels like the camaraderie of a sports team working on, on a like a really intense challenge, but it doesn't feel like work. It feels more like a group project at school. So it, the whole the whole dynamic changes when you feel like you're going along with the journey with other really awesome people that are aligned on the values, aligned on the mission, and really helping each other get there. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great way to great way to put it. In closing or gearing up here, one of the things you mentioned is that you really admired early Uber culture. Uh, and, you, and you learn from it. So it's sort of two-part question. One is, what about early Uber culture we, 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 you know, really excited you or that you're, you've taken to, to Traba? And how do you make sure that as you grow and you scale, you, you maintain that culture or you evolve the culture in a way that, that you want to evolve the culture? So there's two parts of early Uber that I really respected and I would like to embody here at Traba for the long run. And the first is the passion and ownership mentality that everyone had at the company. They were disrupting a very archaic industry, the taxi industry that had lots of bureaucracy, lots of corruption. It wasn't a great experience for the taxi driver or the rider. And people at Uber wanted to change the world at a global scale. Um, they were also misunderstood as just being a taxi app. Where at Traba, we also have a group of passionate individuals with an ownership mentality that's disrupting another old industry that doesn't necessarily treat workers right. And that's the, the staffing industry. And I'm sure we're misunderstood by people as being a job board or just another uh, app that connects workers with labor. So I would like to embody that passion and moving quickly bought in on the mission that early Uber had here at Traba. And then the second is the emphasis on analytics. So this unlocked a great opportunity for people to really take ownership over their work without a lot of bureaucracy within the organization, even when Uber got larger. So at Traba, we are really emphasizing letting the data speak for itself and allowing people to make decisions in their career that bubble up to achieve uh, the overall mission and where the company's going. So my goal is to keep both of those, the passion and the emphasis on analytics, uh, alive and well at Traba for the long run. Totally. And you, you guys are hiring the right uh, entrepreneurial talent to, to keep that deep, that spirit alive for sure. Great. We're, we're gearing towards closing here. Mike, now that you've closed uh, significant more capital, uh, what do you plan to do with the money? Yeah. So this is going to be one of the most exciting years of our lifetime. And it's going to be an awesome opportunity for anyone that is interested in really 
diving in into their career and experiencing something incredible to join us. We are going to be using the money to expand across the country, open up a lot of new markets. So that same launcher profile that we are that I got to experience at Uber, where you really get to have a piece of the business and and take a lot of ownership over a given region. We're hiring there. We're also scaling up aggressively in sales. So whereas other companies may be slowing down their sales hiring, we are doubling down. We believe that even in this economic climate, a company like ours does thrive through it. And we've seen a lot of tons of interest from customers. Um, And then we're also going to be opening up an Austin, Texas office. So we are going to be able to hire both in Miami, Florida and Austin, Texas. So if you're interested in joining us, uh, please go to traba.work, so W-O-R-K, and we have a careers page there, and we'll keep an eye out for you. Just mention you heard the Village Global podcast. Awesome. Mention we sent you. Mike, this has been a fantastic episode. Thanks so much for for coming on. Thank you, Mike. If you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you check us out at villageglobal.vc.